to my brothers and sisters and those who are visiting with us today on this great uh, Easter Sunday, the day that is particularly set apart, set apart to remind us of the resurrection of Jesus. Although the shift to worshiping on Sunday, the first day of the week, instead of on the Sabbath, which was Jewish tradition on Saturday, is a result of the resurrection. I don't know if you knew that, but that's why Sunday has prevailed. In fact, there's a whole bunch of things that have prevailed that point back to the reality of resurrection. Um, Think about it. All around the globe today, depending on the time zone, people will be celebrating resurrection, right? Resurrection Sunday is people who are really crazy enough to believe this all around the globe and uh, are worshiping the Lord Jesus who is alive. And uh, so we we have had songs this morning that speak about his resurrection, his glory, and his reign. And I just wonder, have you ever pondered much about what resurrection was really like? There's a lot of movies that uh, speak of a resurrection theme. Those of you get out a lot and see sci-fi like The Matrix or, um, you know, The, the Search for Spock. Uh, But this is the classic spiritual movie, The Princess Bride. I wonder if it was like this. All right. We'll have to force feed him. Has it been 15 minutes? We can't wait. Brings in half an hour. They must strike in the hustle in the bustle beforehand. Tilt his head back. (laughs) Open his mouth. How long do we have to wait before if we know the miracle works? Your guess is as good as mine. I'll beat you apart. I'll take you both together. I guess not very long. <laughs> Why won't my arms move? You've been mostly dead all day. <laughs> we have Miracle Max make a pill to bring you back. Who are you? Are we enemies? Why am I on this wall? Where's Buttercup? Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. Buttercup is Mary Humper Dinkin a little less than half an hour. So all we have to do is get in, break up the wedding, steal the princess, make our escape. After I kill Count Rugen. That doesn't leave much time for dilly-dally. You just wiggle your finger. That's wonderful. You just wiggle your finger. That's wonderful. Later he shakes his head. You just shook your head. Doesn't that make you happy? All that opposition and a little head shaking should make me happy anyway. I can tell everybody was quoting it. You probably have it memorized better than your Bible verses. Of course, I'm guilty, right? Was it like that? I don't think so. The the description in that song we sang, In Christ Alone, bursting forth in glorious day, right? The resurrection was spectacular. An instantaneous resurrection to life. I thought it might be profitable for us to look at about six texts, half a dozen texts on resurrection. Unpack them a little bit. Uh, Those of you who are guests, you you might as well know that I even take questions from the floor, so it's a little bit unusual here. And uh, glad to answer if something isn't clear. But I thought it might be good for us to do that. And starting all the way back with, uh, with resurrection out of the New Testament... Uh, it was not a spastic reentry, and the scripture has some very clear things about it, and one of the reasons we believe it is because it has had an effect on history. There has been a change in the course of history over the last 2,000 years, and if you study 
uh, about the transformation in people's lives, it usually helps encourage people who are scoffers and skeptics to move toward true belief. Anybody ever heard of the movie uh, Ben-Hur? Yeah, it's an, in fact, they remade it. I think, I'm not sure how I feel about the remake. It wasn't as good as the original, I think, actually. But if you don't know, better. <laughs> if you don't know, the author, General Lew Wallace, set out on a journey to disprove Christianity. And as he gathered all his data and his facts, guess what happened? He came to faith. And he wrote Ben-Hur, subtitle, A Tale of the Christ in which Jesus is raised from the dead. And uh, Ben-Hur's family gets healed at the time of the resurrection, which, by the way, is not inconsistent with some of the events in the Bible, which says many of the saints were raised from the dead and appeared. That would have been a freaky experience, wouldn't it? Very much. Let's start with uh, the, uh, the prophecies that came out of the Old Testament. The Apostle Paul is preaching... In the book of Acts, he has been on trial. He is uh, arrested. He's on his way to Rome uh, to face trial. And he has the opportunity to explain the gospel to King Festus and King Agrippa. And uh, he's describing the fact that Moses in the Old Testament had prophesied. If you're a note taker, I put in the bulletin the six Ps. You know, good preaching. You have to have all the same... Oh, not really, but I did pick on peas, and I've got them all the way through, and you've got a preview going back hundreds and hundreds, even over a thousand years about Jesus' resurrection, his coming again. And Paul is speaking in his defense about the gospel, and he makes this statement, that the Christ, according to Moses' writings in the Old Testament, would suffer and he would be the first to rise from the dead and proclaim light to his own people and to the Gentiles. The gospel was designed, and God had it in mind all the way back, starting with the choice of Abraham, that in him all the families of the earth could inherit the blessing. All humanity. God had it in mind that all might come to know the good news. So, the first to rise from the dead would be the Christ. It was prophesied, it was previewed, it was promised, foretold. It was not a surprise to those who were looking. Yes, ma'am. Is saying that Christ is the first to rise from the dead? Does that mean like Aha, great question. He was the first to rise from the dead. Yes, I'm going to answer that in just a couple of minutes, okay? So, if I don't, yell at me nicely. Okay. <laughs> He was the first to rise from the dead with the resurrection body, which, by the way, down number three, you see prototype? That's the difference from Lazarus and his resurrection. It was previewed. It was prophesied. If you're a prophecy fan, you like to read about that kind of stuff, you know that that encourages our faith that God revealed things beforehand, that this was expected because he knows the end from the beginning. Second thing is that it was proven. It was a demonstration of God's authority. I'm going to indulge myself for a minute here by reading a little bit ahead of the verse that we're going to put on the screen in just a minute. It's in Romans, the first chapter, and it repeats the same concept that I just mentioned. Paul is writing, as an apostle set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel, the good news, that's what gospel means, good news, 
which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. There it is again, prophesied in advance. Concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David, according to the flesh, his human lineage is from the tribe of David, which means he's in line to be king in the human sense. And then this says it. Who was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. Prophesied in the Old Testament, a promised king was supposed to come through the lineage of David. That happens. Plus, he's declared to be the son of God by resurrection from the dead. Demonstration, if you will. Proof. Proof that the plan of God worked. I mean, let's just be blunt. We talk about gospel, believing the gospel. It's good news. What is the good news? The good news is that, as we sang in the song in Christ alone, the wrath of God was satisfied by the death of Christ on the cross. But if he didn't come back from the grave, that's just an unfortunate murder. It's just an unfortunate set of circumstances. A great moral leader was put to death. We feel sad about that. But if he wasn't raised from the dead, then... Where is the victory over the consequence of sin, which is death? The wages of sin is death. What better demonstration than resurrection to prove that the plan of God actually worked? You need demonstrations sometimes. You need some data. For those of you who might be listening today and struggling, I, you people really have you know, drunk the Kool-Aid or whatever. Let me encourage you that there are those who have been on that journey, like General Lew Wallace, that are still doing so today. One of the older brothers was, um, yeah, who was evidence that demands a verdict. What was his? Josh McDowell. But more recently, an investigative reporter named Lee Strobel has put out a whole bunch of articles. One of them is called The Case for Easter. The Case for the Resurrection Being Verifiable, if you will. Christians do not believe in spite of data. We believe because of data and because God has given us the gift of faith by the Spirit. There are proofs, if you will. Any of you old enough to have gone to the last World's Fair that we had down in Flushing Meadows in the late 60s? Yay! Look at the old people in the room. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not alone. You were a babe, yes. You were just newborn. Thank you very much. I used to live near there, Whitestone. You'd take a, a bus into Flushing, and then you'd take the train out to the World's Fairground. It was just one station out from Flushing's beginning, the, the Flushing line. And uh, so I went to the fair a number of times. And I remember when I was there, Moody Bible Institute had a pavilion there called Sermons from Science. Now, by the way, if you've never looked at any of that, if you're, if you're skeptical or if you, as a believer, want reinforcement for your faith, I advise you, you can go dig that stuff out of the archives. And there are some phenomenal scientific articles that speak into proof for the reality of God's creation and the gospel. But I remember watching with my eyes as a, a reality, a... a demonstration about electrical power happened physically in front of me. 
and that was that theoretically, if you're not grounded, thousands upon thousands of volts of electricity should be able to pass through your body and not hurt you. Anybody want to try it? Well, there were, yeah, you would? Okay. You got it? You're, you're up for it. Okay. I'm not, I'm not prepared today to demonstrate that. But I remember this brother preaching the gospel from Moody came with this board, wrapped it with a little bit of uh, tinfoil, got up on this big coil, electrical coil, held this thing above his head, and lightning went right through him, and that board just burned right down the middle, down, 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 down. And remember, I so vividly, I got my hands on that and kept it for years. Proof! Proof! There's something about the evidences that speak to the proof that Jesus is, in fact, alive. It proves that he was the son of God, the son of David, the coming king, that it was all true, and his payment on the cross worked for us. Declared to be the son of God with power by resurrection. Now we come to your question, the prototype. It will be... So it will be with the resurrection. By the way, the Apostle Paul makes it very clear. I'm going to have to um, preach a little for a change. Uh, This is what separates orthodoxy from error. In other words, are we really believers in what the Word of God says? Orthodoxy holds to a literal resurrection. If you say you're a Bible believer, that's what you believe. There are churches who have the name of Jesus and crosses on the, on the walls that don't believe it anymore. But it's literal. And Paul is in 1 Corinthians, this text, and the whole passage, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is defending the reality of the gospel based on resurrection and basically says this, if there is no resurrection, you're wasting your time. It's all a game. It's a nice religious club, but there's no power in it because if the dead aren't raised, then Christ isn't raised. And if Christ isn't raised, what do we just hear about the resurrection proving? The gospel didn't work. There is no atonement for sin and victory over it. So Paul in that section is defending orthodoxy, but he goes on and says this. So it will be. By the way, orthodoxy simply means right belief. Christians ought to be orthodox if you're a real Christian. Right, Derek? Thank you. He's got to agree with me. It works for me now. But anyway, so <laughs> Christians ought to be orthodox, but they also should be orthoprax, which means right practice as well, right? What I believe should match with what I do. But here's what he says. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable is raised imperishable. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. That's the difference between Lazarus and all the other resurrections, including the ones which are resuscitations. When the scripture says Jesus was raised from the dead and the... the, um, was torn. What? The veil was torn and the thank you for helping me out. Sleep deprivation always. <laughs> torn. When that happened, it says many of the bodies of the saints were raised from the dead and walked into town, freaked out their neighbors, went into the Circle K and ordered a coffee. I mean, that had to be something to see. But those people were going to die again. 
The resurrection body of Jesus was designed to never die. In fact, that's what's amazing about it. It is the body that is designed to operate in both spheres that we experience. I have a little cutout from the newspaper that uh, on the old bit page. Sometimes they put these. Sorry. Uh, sometimes they put really corny things, but once in a while they put something really good. And this one said, we are not, we are not physical beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a physical experience. It's like, that's a good one, right? We have not fully experienced what our body can do when it's resurrected, where we can enjoy both realms. You, one of the questions on the Ten Commandments we had, how can you see God, right? The resurrection body will be able to handle that dimension. Right now, if we saw him, we'd be fried, okay? So that body, that new prototype is the one that Jesus had and is the standard of resurrection for everyone else. Do you remember what he was able to do? He comes back from the grave. He comes into a locked room. Nobody knows how he got in there. He just appears. He's uh, talking to his disciples. Uh, That's some pretty good-looking fish and chips there. Can I have some? And he eats it in front. His resurrection body is able to eat. He's walking with the disciples down the Emmaus Road. They don't even recognize him. Somehow he's got an influence about this body that he can keep himself from being recognized and suddenly reveal who he is. Isn't that going to be fun? (laughs) Can you imagine? It's going to be amazing. We don't fully get it. When Paul says... Mind has not conceived, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard the amazing things God has in store. That's one of them right there. The resurrection body is based on his prototype. He's the model. He's the archetype. He's the standard, if you will. The body that's designed for two dimensions. Isn't that cool? But what else? The fact that we will get that body and the fact that uh, Jesus was raised from the dead means, as we were, somebody was speaking of earlier, either in prayer or in one of the songs, that there is power available for us in the here and now. That I may know him, Paul says in the book of Philippians, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Anybody familiar with that passage in Romans 6 talks about baptism? We're united with him in baptism. We'll also be united with him in life. We are united with him. We had a baptism a few weeks back. Death, burial, and resurrection is modeled, if you will, uh, by baptism. But the whole point of chapter 6 is saying that there's power in the Christian gospel that works in our lives in the here and now and gives us victory over sin. When we read this uh, Philippians text, It's talking about genuine experiential power. It's not talking about one day I'm going to be raised from the dead. Won't that be fun? Yes, it will be. By the way, it will be fun. Everybody, Christians, fun is a Christian word. Fun, it's okay. Not naughty fun, real good fun. It's fun. Yes, that'll be fun. But what he's saying is I want to know the power of Christ's resurrection in the here and now. In other words, if the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead indwells you, Romans chapter 8 tells us, 
then that same spirit that is in you will quicken, give life to your mortal body as well. Yes, resurrection, but experiential in the here and now. Anybody remember the song, He Lives? You know? And uh, there was an old uh, hymn that's, He Lives. You ask me how I know He Lives? Is that true? Okay, well, because of the experience. I, I have shared, I don't really want to get into this this morning, but how I used to have some bad sin habits back in my hippie day. And when I got converted and turned around, I was going back into that same exact wrong behavior, and the Spirit of God did that to me. Anybody remember you could have a V8? Remember that? That's what it was. Bam! And I'm right in the middle of going with my friend to do the wrong thing. I went, I can't do this anymore. They're looking at me like, what is your problem, you weirdo? You know, No, I can't. It's sin. They're like, okay. You want more people to have that reaction, don't you? What is it with you? I'll tell you what it is. The power of the indwelling Christ makes a difference. On the few times that I've seen, and by the way, this might sound radical, on the few times that I've seen physical healing miraculously, it's not uncommon to pray that way. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead can quicken our mortal bodies. God, I'm asking you to quicken this mortal body in the here and now. There's a real power available. Powerless Christianity makes me crazy. Boring Christians make me crazy. How can it be? How can it be? If the spirit of the living God is indwelling me and his power that raised Jesus from the dead has no impact, I must be missing something. Maybe I'm missing the gospel completely. Well, that brings me to the next point because it ties exactly in, and that is the Spirit of God indwelling me is proof, is a pledge, if you will, proof positive that this whole thing that Jesus has arranged is going to be my portion as well. If we become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be with him in the likeness of his resurrection. The prototype resurrection body will be our portion as well. But how do I know that? What is the witness? There's two ways, right? There's two ways. I know it because of the word of God, which cannot lie. By the way, there's an awful lot of Christians that are not clear about that. That's because they're not orthodox. If you're orthodox, you're clear about the fact that God has spoken. And when Jesus said, the word, which cannot be broken will most assuredly be fulfilled. I'm dumb. I believe him. I do. I believe him. He means what he says. The word of God is to be trusted. So I know this is true because of what the word of God says, but there's one other dimension. If I'm born from above, the spirit of God witnesses to my spirit that I am a child of God. Romans chapter 6, chapter 8. When was the last time the Spirit witnessed to your spirit? The living God speaking 
correcting, adjust. Oh, my gosh, I never saw that habit that I've had my whole life that God is displeased by that. Don't you hate when he does stuff like that? No, I love it. I really do. In fact, it was uh, the Puritans who wrote often about this that when the Spirit of God brings conviction, rather than feeling condemned and you're no good, right? You all know the Linda Ronstadt theme song. I always talk about that. You're no good, you're no good, you're no good. Baby, you're no... I won't quit my day job, but anyway. <laughs> that is the devil's tune, right? When the Spirit of God convicts me, there is conviction and brokenness because I realize I've dishonored God, but immediately there's joy because my Father is correcting me. He's disciplining me. I feel his love making me better. That's the whole point. When was the last time it happened? Has it ever happened? If it hasn't, let me encourage you today that before you leave, you come up and talk or make an appointment to interact about what the gospel really means for you, the good news of life eternal. He loves us. That's why Jesus died for us and rose from the grave so that we can have his spirit's power working in our lives. And yes, we get to go to heaven. Yes. But his power working in the here and now. I, listen, who, how many of you guys are ready to go? Okay, yeah. Today, please, I don't want to pay my taxes. No, come on. I'm ready to go. I'm not in a hurry. I like living for him now. But we will be made like him in his resurrection power. One of the Puritans said, I think it was William Gurnall, I believe it was him, said, we are more sure to rise from our graves than we are to get out of our bed. Isn't that cool? Those guys were radical. One more thing. We will be united like him in resurrection power. But not only is that the pledge, the Holy Spirit is the guarantee, if you will, that thing, that work inside of me, witnessing to my spirit gives me the hope and expectation of what's coming. But there's one other thing. There is a heaven. And there is a promise, a long-term customer satisfaction guarantee of what's coming into the future. Let me show you what it says in the book of Revelation. Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the, what does it say? First resurrection. That's for the believers. Over these, the second death. What's the second death? The scripture tells us in, well, it's, it's old language. It says the lake of fire. That's what it's talking about. It's talking about separation from God. The second death has no power, but look what it says. They will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Dude, won't that be cool? Have you noticed that governments don't always work very well? (laughs) Have you noticed that our government has been having some issues? And our whole, uh, our whole, uh, anyway, I better shut up, so... I better stick to the gospel here. You know, we're called to pray for our leaders, right? I dropped the ball on that too many times, I have to admit. 
Let me read something to you if I could. It was previewed that there was resurrection coming. It was proven with the resurrection from the dead that the gospel good news can be yours and it's guaranteed. It's proven. There's a prototype. God tells us about it in the gospels. That's what we have to look forward to. We'll have a body like his. There's power because of it living in us as children of God that can make a difference tangibly if he lives in us. There's a pledge. There's a guarantee. You've got that receipt of the indwelling spirit that assures me that I'm going to rise from my grave more assuredly than I'll rise from my bed tomorrow morning. But one more thing. There's a promise of eternal glory. There's a promise of eternal glory. Do you know we're not just biding time here? Like, (laughs) I don't know what you think about heaven. I've always, I've always pulled up this joke. Those of you who remember the, uh, the Far Side by um, Gary Larson, one of the great tragedies of the last millennium was that he quit making cartoons because he was great. And the, in the Far Side, there was a picture of a guy with horn-rimmed glasses and wings sitting on a cloud going, I wish I'd brought a magazine. <laughs> and that's about how deeply we think about heaven. Or maybe we think we're going to sing worship songs forever and ever. We are going to sing, and you'll like it. <laughs> you might even move a little, right? Those thank, uh, thank you for those who do. Let me, let me share something. Jonathan Edwards, one of the greatest theological minds in American history. There are many mansions in God's house because heaven is intended for various degrees of honor and blessedness. Some are designed to sit in higher places than others. Some are designed to be advanced to higher degrees of honor and glory than others are. And therefore, there are various mansions, some more honorable mansions and seats in heaven than others. Though they are all seats of exceeding honor and blessedness, yet some are more so than others. That doesn't sound right. It's in the Bible. I challenge you to look it up. This was, everybody remember uh, when Bruce Wilkerson put out the prayer of Jabez? Everybody wanted the prayer. I want to be blessed by it. Enlarge my borders, enlarge my borders, enlarge my borders, enlarge my borders. How large do you want your borders? How much can you take care of? The next one was secrets of the vine. I have to abide in Christ to get the blessing. This one was the last book, which nobody wants to read this one. The life God rewards. Whoa-oh, why everything you today matters forever. Uh-oh, I heard that. Uh-oh. No, duh. We don't earn our way into heaven. Get that clear. Jesus paid for your sins, your sins past, present, and future. Oh, good, I can do whatever I want. Well, if you're born again, you don't want to do whatever you want. You want to please the Father who put his seed in you. The seed of the Son of God indwells you. He wants to please his Father. And when I please him, that's when that joy, conviction, but joy, not condemnation. There is, therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But here's what Wilkerson said. What a meddler. You didn't think resurrection had this much to say to us, did you? Ruling in heaven will have nothing in common with the corruption and manipulation we're so used to seeing in displays of power on earth. Oh, thank you, Lord. Right? 
get you all riled up. Maybe we can do something good. When the curse of sin is removed, you and I are restored to our creation purpose. We will be free to rule for God to our fullest powers while bringing only the highest good to ourselves and to others. They will reign with him for a thousand years. That's probably symbolic language, but the point is we're going to reign with Christ. There's work to be done. I'm not sitting around on a cloud wishing I had a magazine. Ruling is also the reward for serving we see in Jesus' parables of faithful stewards. Did you notice? In the minor parable, the highest reward for service was to have authority over ten cities. In the parable of the talents, the reward is similar. I will make you ruler over many things. I wonder if it's not just cities. I think it might be worlds. Our imagination and our hunger for what's future is so weak. Mine included. Serve faithfully here, rule perfectly there. My friend, I challenge you to see your true calling today and to seize the opportunity that's right in front of you. Don't waste another day living for less. Your commission for Jesus is as big as the world. There's a cause worth giving our life to. Too few, even those who profess faith, bother So let me invite you into this great adventure. For Christians to shine like the stars of the heavens. That's what the scripture says we'll be like, right? Because we'll have a body like his. And for those who may be listening and seeking and wondering, let me invite you that you can know the life that transforms. The empty cross. He's not on the cross anymore. And guess what? He's not in the tomb either because he's alive. And if he's alive, then the whole plan of salvation, past, present, future, life in the here and now salvation, life in forever salvation, all of it worked. And it's available to those who will put their trust in Christ Jesus, the risen king. There is a king. And he's worth serving. Let's stand together as we close. If you want answers, you have questions, just want to make an appointment, I'm inviting you as we dismiss to come forward. Otherwise, I ask you to have a wonderful and safe holiday time with your family. Enjoy the rest of the day, and maybe we won't get rained on. (laughs) Let's pray. We rejoice in the life that you've given, Lord, resurrection authority. Thank you for paying for our sins, that which we could not do. We could not reconcile with a holy God. We were too, too at odds with you. In fact, you say we were your enemies left to ourselves. Oh, I don't feel that way. It doesn't matter. That's where I started. But in Christ, you have taken those who are far away and brought them near. For those who belong to you, God, the joy of their master Grant that portion. If they've been avoiding you, draw them close. And for those who need to know Jesus as Savior, put it in their hearts to answer the question, to settle the question, to find out. It is not a secret. The good news is available. He welcomes all, no matter how 
how their past has been, whether it's morally upright, which is insufficient, or whether it's been absolutely awful. You rescue us. You'll forgive us. You'll cleanse us. You'll let us have a fresh start. Reboot the computer, if you will. Would you help those who need to put their trust in you to do it today, we ask. In the great name of Jesus, we pray and we worship you, Lord. Thank you that you're alive and you are a king that is worth following. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said amen Amen and amen. If you want to talk, we're here. Come on up to the front as people filter out. Have a great day. Happy Easter.